When you have a problem, Fox 12 gets you answers. The violence continues. When crime hits too close to home, we want to make sure your voice is heard. We're listening and ready to confront your problems head on. How can Fox 12 help you? Tell us at kptv.com. My name is Bruce Reyes-Chow, and this is BRC and Friends. Each episode, I chat with activists, artists, academics, and adventurers to discuss politics, faith, pop culture, technology, and as you will discover, pretty much everything else that pops into our heads. This is basically an excuse for me to hang out with friends and colleagues and riff about things that matter. Welcome to BRC and Friends. Real excited today to welcome Emily Brewer to the podcast. It is such an odd time these days. Um, Hopefully everybody is paying attention and obeying the rules and you're sheltered in place despite what your um, local governments may be telling you. Um, Stay home. most of us are not essential, but what is um, uh, uh, an interesting time is we get to sit down with a lot of people, and I don't know how many of you have been on Zoom, if you've, if you've heard of it, it's kind of a big thing right now, uh, but Emily and I are joined over Zoom, and um, I wel- welcome Emily, who's the Executive Director of Presbyterian Peace Fellowship, but I'm going to, as we do here on the podcast, go ahead and let uh, Emily, just introduce yourself. Who is Emily? Tell us what you need to what we need to know, including one interesting thing about you that maybe people don't know. Cool. Um, well, like you said, my name's Emily Brewer. Um, I use she and her pronouns. Um, I am the executive director of the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship, and I've been in that role since 2015, um, more or less. And I started that role actually right out of seminary. So I graduated seminary from Union in New York and just immediately stepped into it was then a co-director role but I'm not sure what they were thinking but that's part of who I am right now or at least um kind of how I channel some of who I am into the world um and I also am a daughter and a sister and a partner and I love my family a whole whole lot and if anybody knows me this will not be surprising but I'm an Enneagram one is like maybe my interest my fact about yes. myself <laughs> there you go and then we just lost half our readers like oh you and your listeners any of <laughs> we don't have to talk about it <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a three and i love it so yeah <laughs> so i have to fight my three during this shelter in place time because you know the productivity kind of pressures mm, um, yeah. and I've, i think i've done really well with it i'm just like yeah that's just not getting done and oh, that's i can be okay with that but yeah. um, and then where are you where are you located now and where did you grow up sure so i live in brooklyn new york um i moved to new york city in 2012 to start seminary i thought it would only be here for three years i'm not a city person i'm not a northeast person but i'm still here and um, my partner's here and loves it so i guess we're here for a while <laughs> um we make sacrifices right um <laughs> but i'm from a kind of small town in east tennessee just right near the smoky mountains um and also spent time in Nashville and in Guatemala. So I feel like there are pieces of my heart that are in lots of different homes, but East Tennessee and and New York are my main ones. Great. Great. Awesome. And uh, just for uh, folks who I do have a lot of religious folks on here. Uh, So Emily is part of the same denomination that I'm part of the Presbyterian church USA. And we've uh, got to get, get into, get into trouble on occasion. We were arrested together at the border and that got to seem like forever ago. Yeah. was it two, just a year ago, right? Year and a half, maybe? December 2018. 2018, yeah. 
it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, and and Emily is um, one of our denominations, just, I think, um, generally good people, but also doing a lot of great work around peace and justice, um, also partnered with um, our Fossil Free Initiatives, just um, a lot of good stuff, and is fluent in Spanish as well. So, um, and one thing that we do have in common um, is that we both believe uh, that if you were to die in your apartment and you have a cat or a dog, the do- the cat would eat you first, right? Yeah, it's true. I, I am looking at my cat now and I am sure <laughs> she would not hesitate. My dog would be like, what's the matter? <laughs> lie down beside me and yeah we don't have cats so because I, I do i think cats are like oh eyeballs those look soft and yummy i'm going for it but yeah definitely yeah, we do I, have i hold no like illusions about her love for us and how long how far it extends <laughs> i know we have had friends they're like no my cat would never eat me i'm like okay <laughs> that's what my partner thinks i mean she's really his cat um he thinks yeah, that she yeah. would take take care of him or something and i'm like mm, okay 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 <laughs> We all can believe what we want to believe. That's right. Um, so how are you all handling uh, the, I mean, you're in New York. So, I mean, we're both on these coasts that have been hit really hard and are, are you're, you're, you all are, are experiencing much more worse than we are right now. Our, our peak will be in the next week or two. Um, but how have you been personally handling this, the quarantine time and the shut in, um, the shelter in place time? Um, yeah, we've been really lucky that we have both been able to shelter in place pretty effectively. Um, my, my work is mostly from home. I travel a lot for work, but when I'm not traveling, my office is in my house. So that part has not changed very much for me. And my partner is also able to now work from home. Uh, he's a, a lawyer and all the courts are closed. So, um, yeah. And, um, and we also were able to stop stock up on the groceries we needed and, you know, have figured out grocery delivery stuff. Right. Um, so we feel really lucky in that sense and we're both healthy and well in that sense. And I think I've just felt really grateful for each other in this time. Um, and you know, we're a little bored sometimes, but like, that's not a big deal. Um, I think, I think that thing that's been I've been realizing over the last couple of days is how, how really sad I'm feeling and, but not about anything in particular. Like I have not lost anyone close to me, but I, I think I just feel really sad about the, I know that there's like all this grief around me, even though since we're not going outside very much, it's like, we're kind of unaware in some mm-hmm. ways of like what the vibe is out there. Um, but it's just kind of around. And, and I think I also feel some anticipatory sadness for, the folks that we will lose. Um, so I've been kind of trying to figure out how to care for yeah. that. And my, my orientation or my initial response to that kind of sadness sometimes is numbness. So I'm trying to not give into that, but you know, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's the same. I mean, when, for those of us that are taking this seriously and are kind of staying in our homes, the only outside interaction we get is whatever we're seeing on TV or listening to on our radio or podcasts. And yeah, we're, um, and I think those of us are also pastoring churches. Like our first inclination is to go to people and when they're struggling and we, fortunately our church does not have anybody that has been um, attested positive. We had a few folks that they're pretty sure they were positive, but um, are are on the mend, which is great. Um, But yeah, I think there's this out, this, this thing going on that, like you and us, we have this 
privilege to be able to just be outside of it. I mean, all the folks who are struggling with unemployment and sickness and healthcare workers and grocery store clerks and all those folks, like people are like churches should be able to meet. And I'm like, yeah, actually not. I think <laughs> we're going to be okay. This is not essential. Um, so you all get, I, I try to get a walk every day. I do a, I try to do three or four miles every day just to clear my head and get some exercise. So what, how are, are you handling? Are you able to get out a little bit? We are some, we try to time it. We live about three blocks from Prospect Park, which is an amazing thing. And one of our favorite parts about where we live. Um, but the park is so crowded. Apparently oh um, the governor, Andrew Cuomo. Was like, that the park that he went to? Yeah, yes. He was like, this is not good. <laughs> um, so, and it, but you know, it's, it's both really good. And once I get back from the walk, I feel much better, but also it's really stressful to people will, who are running will come really close. So I was telling you earlier that I keep wanting to like get these pool noodles and like somehow duct tape them to my sides to like force people to stay away from me. You know, it's um, only a matter of time until somebody develops a, a, a hula hoop holder that is, you know, six feet on each side. It's that's a, right. Or like a squirt gun or something yeah, yeah. non-violently non reminding a, people. 12 foot ring space that is like, stay away from me. That's right. Yes. Well, it's, are you, is it, if, if you were to go out today, is it still crowded in the park? Yeah, it's pretty crowded. I mean, people are, um, especially right at five, it gets really crowded as people are finishing, even folks who are just finishing their normal work day, but they still have to keep nine to five hours. So right. we figured out times when it's better. Sometimes we go on a walk after lunch. Um, and we're actually super lucky that we have some outdoor space in our yeah. home. We live in the bottom floor of a townhouse. So there's a little back, it's not really, I wouldn't call it a yard. It's mostly concrete, but you know, that's like way more than most New Yorkers have. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we feel lucky for that. Yeah. It's, it is such, we're very fortunate too. We, we were living in San Francisco for um, 30 years in a two bedroom apartment, one bathroom. And now we moved into this new, new place with a new church and it's, uh, it's the largest home we've ever lived in with the fewest number of people in our house. Cause everybody was gone. Um, mm. But now that two of our three children are back during all this, we're so grateful. And, and again, just kind of feel like, okay, so how, our response of this has to be how do we not contribute to all the other pain that's going on? And yeah, like things like my, we have a, we have a dog walker and we were talking with her and we committed, we're going to keep paying you no matter what. I mean, as long as we can, but like all of her clients who live in a very wealthy area where we live in Palo Alto just bailed on her. Like they just stopped and like, I'm like, you all can afford to keep paying somebody if this isn't happening. I mean, are you seeing, like, are you seeing both the both sides of that in, in where you're living? Are folks stepping out to kind of support each other still, or there's there are there folks just kind of on their own? I mean, what are you seeing just in terms of how the community is responding to each other? Yeah, I think some both and, and um, I don't know if you've been listening to this uh, new podcast called the Staying In Podcast with um, no, Kamel but... Nanjiani and his <gasps> spouse Emily, whose name I'm blanking on. Uh -huh. Do you know them? And I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. okay. Yeah. So comedian, there's hysterical. If you've seen the big sick, it's yeah. those folks. Yeah. Um, but he was he, just talking about he's cut now. Have you seen him? <laughs> well, I haven't, but she talks about it in the podcast. Oh my God. My, so, like it, it almost looks photoshopped. That's so he, funny. It, when he was on he a front of a men's health or something and i don't i only know about it because they talk about it on the podcast now you're gonna google it and everybody's like why are you good like it's gonna pop that's up right 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he was talking about how it's like bringing out the best and the worst, which I think makes a lot of sense for yeah. crises. But like there's um, our kind of block association. There's like three blocks on our street that I guess are block association. Um, but we got a little um, sheet through our mail slot that was this thing. And it had this whole list of numbers of folks who are willing to check in on people, do distance grocery drops, wow. you know, things like that. And you, everybody puts up a, um, they, they gave out a red, a yellow and a green sheet of paper. And so you put up green, if you're doing good, you put up yellow, if you could use somebody to check in on you and red, if you oh. really need something. And so that was really sweet and cool. Um, and are you know, I doing it? Have you noticed if are people using it? Yeah, I think oh. so. I mean, we've seen it in some of the houses, the windows as we've passed by. So that, that feels good, you know, and yeah. like kind of good community care. Um, you know, we've done things like, we really feel like we need to stay in. That's like part of our contribution yep. to not spreading. And, and also we both have um, health things that make us a little bit higher risk. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've tried to commit to is um, we're still paying our Y membership because yep. the Y is yep. an essential service, doing childcare for healthcare providers, stuff like that. Um, yep. So some of those things that we're not necessarily immediately benefiting from, but feel like, okay, we you both still have salaries. We this should, is what exactly. we should do. Like, yeah. It just it rankles me to no end that when folks are like, you, this is not the time to hoard your wealth. I mean, just right. good God. Um, yeah, it's exactly so angry, especially when you have churches that are struggling and pastors aren't going to be able to get paid and then churches that are well off and trying to figure out how to make sure we can remain well off. And just, oh, Anyway, so let's talk about what you do. Uh, so tell us a little bit about um, Presbyterian Peace Fellowship and just assume that most folks listening to this um, don't know anything about the organization. And then uh, is there anything, what, what, what exciting things, what meaningful things are happening right now um, in your work? Cool. So um, I think it's helpful. I won't do the whole history thing, <laughs> but I just, I think it is really helpful to know where we come from and that includes yeah. our generational stories or yeah. our organizational stories. Um, so the, the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship was formed by the Fellowship of Reconciliation. Fellowship of Reconciliation began during World War II as an interfaith nonviolent, or sorry, during World War I as an interfaith nonviolent response to war and militarism. And then during World War II, they spun off all of these individual peace fellowships. So there's like a Lutheran peace fellowship and an Episcopal and a Presbyterian and a Baptist. Um, and those peace fellowships were created to help folks in those particular denominations who were conscientious objectors to war. Hmm. And these peace fellowships both helped people go through the process because it's a very bureaucratic paper filled process to become a conscientious objector especially when there's a draft yep. in place like there was in World War II. And secondly, um, but not secondarily, to uh, help those folks find community and support one another because it was a really unpopular stance, even in many churches. So many folks were kind of isolated from their families and churches and, and needed support. So those are our roots. We're very rooted in the anti-war, anti-militarism movements, um, peace movements. And we don't do direct work with conscientious objectors now, although there's a great organization called the Center on Conscience and War that does do that now. Um, but we have remained committed to um, trying to undo militarism in many 
in the many ways that it manifests, like through colonialism and other things like that, uh, through nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about, um, I think it's important. You can't see it when I'm talking, but we spell <laughs> nonviolence with no hyphen. So it's one word. So it's not just not violence. Um, it is. Oh, I don't think I ever realized that. Look at, yeah. I learned something today. Thank you. So it's like a whole kind of like, huh. it's not just not violence. It's a new thing that is um, mm-hmm. creative and active and um, not just passivity. I think mm-hmm. some people think that pacifism is means that we're passive or right. you know something like that. But so we don't even use the words pacifism very much anymore. Some folks are still really comfortable with that language, but mostly we talk about nonviolence with no hyphen. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, so how does, what does that look like these days? I mean, what are the main programs, things you all are doing that folks need to know about? Yeah. So um, I think we are a really, we're pretty small organization in terms of um, budget and staff, but we have a lot of members. Um, and so what that means is it allows us to be pretty flexible and responsive to what needs come up, which is really exciting. And also means that sometimes we have lots of different projects going on. Um, so some of those projects right now, I think you talked to my colleague, Allison mm-hmm. Wood a few episodes ago, who is our accompaniment coordinator. So we've been doing um, accompaniment, which is like human rights kind of solidarity work along the border and in Colombia, South America. We uh, work with churches on gun violence prevention and trying to help empower and equip churches to be a public voice of faith for gun violence prevention kind of in the public. So um, we think about it kind of outside the four walls of the church. How can churches be engaged in the work to prevent gun violence in our communities? Um, we also have been involved in the last few years with the movement to divest from fossil fuels in the PCUSA, which is part of a much larger movement, global movement to divest from fossil fuels. And really that's been newer work for us, but because of this commitment to anti-militarism, we know that um, climate change is going to be one of, is already a, a predictor of armed conflict and makes armed conflicts more frequent and worse um, for people. And, and so we feel like if we're serious about preventing war, we have to be part of the climate justice movement. Um, And then the last thing I'll mention is just that we have been working with within the PCUSA to help create a network of peace churches. So these are churches, congregations within the Presbyterian church that hold a really strong commitment to anti-war and anti-militarism. So that's not like a national policy of the church, but we know that there are individual congregations who really want to hold on to that, um, like like your church. That's right. Um, so we are. so that's a that's a new thing that we're kind yeah. of still fr- figuring out what that looks like. But we're trying to help connect and equip churches who who want to take that extra um, step and be, call themselves and be peace churches. Right. That's awesome. Well, and you all, there's one, one other thing that you all have done in the last year, I guess, um, around ordaining somebody to um, fight gun violence. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, yeah, so Deanna Hollis is, I think our newest staff member. Um, And she is ordained as the gun violence prevention ministries coordinator of the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship. Um, and she was ordained to that work out of a presbytery in Texas, which we don't necessarily always think of as the <laughs> right. most 
progressive place, place, but, um, that presbytery really cares about this work. Um, and they were really wonderful. And, um, and they, they said, um, and PPF believes that this is work of the gospel, like to, to help prevent gun violence, um, is work that the church should be involved in. And, um, so a lot of her work is supporting Presbyterians and pastors as they do this work that can be really hard. They can get a lot of pushback for, so it's a lot of um, pastoral accompaniment and also other resources. Is, is there any, I mean, our denomination for those of you who know has gone through a huge transition in the last few years, just around um, what we do around social justice and things and the way we talk about it. But could, I mean, this is a big deal. Are there other denominations at all that have somebody that is ordained around gun violence? Not that we know of. Um, And, and that was really why I think Deanna got a lot of national attention. We were kind of, I mean, we were pleasantly surprised, but kind of surprised. Um, The New York Times ran a piece on her, the NPR, different NPR stations have interviewed her several times, um, which is really cool. And I think what it says to to us is that people are hungry for a faith voice. Um, yeah. talking about this and, and, well, and, and, and one that combats kind of the narrative that is out right. there. Yeah. That, that religious people are, I mean, not, not our round of folks, but religious people in general are going to be pro gun. And yeah, I mean, it's, I thought right. it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so. like that kind of public theology um, yeah. that's so important. And that I awesome. think our church is really stepping into in, in unique and creative ways. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, folks there I'll in the show notes, there'll be a link where you can uh, donate. I have no problem asking people to give money to organizations that are good. So uh, pony up, there'll be a link, give some money to press for peace fellowship. Um, it, it is, it's one of the organizations that I support our family supports that I am shocked at how small the budget is and the amount of work that you do. So uh, it is amazing. Um, can I ask you kind of how has uh, uh, COVID-19 impacted your work? Has that shifted anything? You talked about being agile. I mean, what has that impacted uh, Presbyterian Peace Fellowship uh, at all or, or how? Well, we, I think the, the most immediate thing for us, definitely it has impacted us. Um, the most immediate thing was that we had accompaniers in both Colombia and mm. in Mexico along the border that needed to come home early. Um, and we're not sending accompaniers right now because the point of sending accompaniers is to increase the safety of our partners. And <laughs> we would not be doing that <laughs> right now if we sent accompaniers. So we're still trying to figure out, and I think our partners are trying to figure out what they need from us in this moment, yeah. um, but trying, trying to figure out how we can help be accompaniers from a distance right. when it's totally based on physical presence. Yeah. Um, and so we've had to cancel some events and things like that, but that's the most immediate one. Um, but, you know, in, in many ways, we were pretty poised to ride out this wave for a little while because we're a national organization. So our folks are very familiar with Zoom and we do right. lots online anyways. Um, and then I think the last thing I would say just about that is that I've really been encouraging us um, to just take some time to breathe and not to try and I think that there's a real strong impulse. I find it in myself to like produce and, and yeah. act and like do all these things. And, and we just need some time and space to, to breathe for a yeah. minute. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, the over-functioning that is going on in the world as if it's almost like guilt. If we, if we're 
we should be doing something. We should be producing content. We should be productive. I mean, I, and, and I was, I just, I had joked on some of my networks around, um, I, I'm, I'm not reading all the books basically that I say that I'm going to read on vacation. I'm doing the same thing now. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not reading this stuff. <laughs> it's just the file is still there and I'm not. So finding some balance. I mean, we're um, about a month into this for us. So we're really settled into some patterns. And you all have now must be settling into some patterns as well, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Thank you. Let's take a, a quick break and we'll be right back. I have the privilege and honor of serving on the board of Morelite Presbyterians. MLP is an organization with the mission to work for the full participation of LGBTQIA plus people in the life, ministry, and witness of the Presbyterian Church USA and in society. One aspect of our work is to honor people's gender identity and preferred pronouns and to encourage and help others to do the same. We do this in a variety of ways, but one of our most successful has been creating swag such as pins, stickers, and t-shirts that are visible symbols and sayings that honor the beauty of our gender identities. If you'd like to get your MLP swag, they are offering a special discount for listeners of BRC and Friends, so just go over to mlp.org backslash shop and use the code BRC at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase of anything in the store except for patches and stoles. Again, get your more light Presbyterian swag at mlp.org backslash shop and use the code BRC for 15% off. And we're back still here with uh, Emily Brewer. Thanks for being here. So we're going to shift a little bit. And um, as we do with um, all these, we talk a little bit about some things that are not related to our work and just trying to realize that we're all kind of complex human beings. Um, and so uh, I had asked Emily earlier, I was like, what are some things you're passionate about, excited about that are not, have, that really don't have to do with your work? And there was a blank earlier before. Um, did we discover something in, in, in the last half hour? <laughs> I don't think I've really <laughs> discovered anything. I'm just going to spin it differently. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying like, I don't, it just, this time has made me realize I don't really have hobbies. Yeah. Um, but I did say that one of my hobbies is eating. I love okay, food. There you go. I love good food. And, and so we've been cooking a lot and we yeah. use the New York times cooking app a ton. Um, <laughs> and smitten kitchen and some of those other favorite cooking blogs. And it's just kind of fun to try and get creative and yeah. we I have more time and space in our lives. And you're to cooking more together now. I would assume. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We cook a lot from home anyways, but um, I think it has helped to try and think about fun things that we want to eat when we're kind of grieving getting, I mean, it's one of our favorite parts about living in New York is all of the amazing food and our friends that we get to go eat it with. So yeah, I know our house, we we basically are eating our feelings and we just had in the last couple of weeks, like we can't keep doing this because we weren't eating well, we weren't feeding our feelings well. Yeah, peanut M&Ms, potato chips sitting in front of the TV. So now we've kind of shifted and we're like, okay, that was that was a needed phase. And now we're going to – but the hard part in our family is that not everybody appreciates good food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to cook good food and presentation is really important to me because my children will give me a hard time. My Instagram story is half food, half yeah, I my I follow dog. you on Instagram. I see that. Mm-hmm. a lot of food, right? So great. But my, my family are like, ah, food, food for fuel. So <laughs> – it's well, and I would just say like, if you're in a peanut M&Ms and potato chips kind of place and it's not making you feel worse, do it. Like, in, but it's you know, started, I think, started I think, to make me feel Yeah. Awful. I mean, of course it's the same as like watching TV. If the watching TV is making you feel good, do it until it doesn't, you know, yeah, I just, exactly. I think that there's some coping things that are fine and good and 
they help us cope for a reason. Yep, um, exactly. No, that so. was, it was, it was kind of like, cause we were in week two and we're all like, we're out of chips and you can kind of see us like walking around the house. There's other food in the fridge, people. <laughs> chips. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, well, let me ask you, as long as we're kind of in this phase, I, I ask everybody uh, on the show, um, uh, what are you reading? What are you, what are you watch? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? So um, let's start. What are you reading these days? Um, I am like you, I've been having a hard time doing nearly as much reading as I thought I would. Um, but one thing I'm reading is, uh, undoing border imperialism by Harsha Walia. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually PPF Presbyterian peace fellowship is doing a weekly book club on that, which we try to keep pretty low key. Like, even if you haven't totally read it, show up, connect, right. learn something. Um, so that's incredible. And I think one of the things that's so good about that book, along with several other people's writing is, is this idea that we have to begin to create the world that we're trying to, we have to live mm-hmm. now and, and practice the practices that create the kind of world that we want to live in. Right. Um, so some of that care, like we were talking about people who are caring for each other in this moment is kind of part of that. Um, and then I'm brain also, can- okay, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. A, do yeah. you have brain candy reading? Yeah, the other thing I'm reading right now is that my birthday was a couple weeks ago and my partner got me the box set of Harry Potter. So I'm starting oh. back over at the beginning of Harry Potter, which I haven't read for years and I'm oh, yeah. just loving. I, I mean, it would imagine kind of as you're reading, it brings you back to the time that you were reading it the first time and like what was going on in your world the first time. Um, anyway, so what, so what, uh, uh, what are you listening to? Well, like I said, I'm listening to the Staying In podcast with Camille Nanjiani and Emily. Let me look up her name for while, while we're talking. So I'm not doing that thing where I'm just remembering the uh, <laughs> spouse by the male partner's name. Um, not, not who I want to be. Exactly. Um, say him and his wife. That's right. Yes. I know. I, I got married about eight months ago and like, we still don't call each other husband and wife. I just like, can't do it. And, um, and which is fine, you know, it works for us. But it meant that one time I was trying to explain to somebody like in an official capacity, I use it if I'm like trying to get my way or something, you know, in a bureaucracy. And, but I accidentally, my, my spouse is a man. He would be my husband, I guess. Um, and I, I, but I don't use that word. And so I called him my wife accidentally. And then I think the person was like, Oh, okay. 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 Um, and I was like, and it was just good thing you live where you live. Yeah. I mean, it was great, but I, I think they were trying to prove that they were like really yeah. down and cool. And then I didn't want to be like, Oh no, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> I was just like, just like a general Emily awkward in the world kind of moment. That's the name of your podcast. Emily awkward in the world. Right. Yeah, that should be. Um, okay. Well, I can't find her last name, but Emily and Camille. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. It's great. Uh, I think that's been my main podcast that I've been listening to. And um, I actually have been listening to a lot of hymns on piano um, in the background. There's something that's been, huh. I don't normally, but it's just been really comforting to me to hear those familiar tunes. I think, you know, my grandmother is somebody who would, hum hymns in the kitchen and stuff like that. So there's ah. something comforting about oh, cool. that to me in this time. Well, you're the first person in about four podcasts that has not mentioned um, my dad wrote a porno, which it's on my list. I haven't started it yet. Oh, I don't it. Well, so it, 
it is incredibly explicit because it's reading um, erotic literature, literature, as they would say. It is so funny. Oh my! Yeah, I, I've I, heard. I, I would almost. Dri- I I listened to it while I was driving, and that's actually dangerous because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> You know, like oh, like laughing so hard where you kind of lose control of your yeah, body. you like can't see. <laughs> like, like I consider pulling over. There are some parts of the it's and it's you have now five seasons. I I don't know how they're stretching into five seasons. I'm only in season two, the second book. So um, it's well worth. It is the best escapism of all of this time. I listen. I do a walk for every an, an hour. I do my first half hour is catching up on the news and all the stuff that's going on. And then the second half hour is um, my dad wrote a porno. So there, I brought it up for a continuation in, uh, uh, in, in our, in my podcast. Okay. So what are you watching both serious and brain candy? What are you watching? Um, we have started over. Well, I never really watched it, but we've, my partner is starting over watching Seinfeld. Um, it has aged not well in some ways. And, <laughs> in other ways is fine and still funny. Um, but it feels like one of those shows that like, I've lived in New York for like eight years. How have I not seen this? Um, so we've been watching that and, um, that's a long commitment. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of nice to have something that's like 20 minutes and just yeah. fit it in here and there right, when we right. need it. Uh, and we also just started Babylon Berlin this week, which mm. has been good on Netflix, okay. but we haven't watched that. Hmm. We just um, finished The Mandalorian yesterday. Mm. I watched it before, but my one of my children was was finally like, "Fine, I'll watch it with you." And so we watched it and totally hooked. Got that was that was fun. Um, yeah, it, it's fascinating having you know a teenager and an early college student in the house to see what what are the young people watching these days. Yeah, <laughs> what just, are they watching? Trash. I just keep telling them, <laughs> the old one. <laughs> what is this trash? And then I'll sit there and be you know, like four episodes later. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's she going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And they're remaking all of these, like party of five got remade. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these shows are getting remade that they're watching now. Um, so it's fast. It's, it is interesting. Yeah. There's a couple of them that I'm just like, this is so awful. Um, East high. Was that, was it? There's one of them. It's just, I can't do it. Um, but yeah, so we're we're doing that. We do a lot of movies as well. Are you all movie people? I'm like notorious for falling asleep during movies. So <laughs> we don't watch them that often, but we did this weekend. I had never seen this. This has been like Emily rewatching all the classics she never saw. Um, and so we, we watched The Godfather part one and two this weekend, which was I've a never lot. Seen them. I've never seen them. It was, the, especially the first one was just so New York-y. I, th- I think also we're having this, like missing the city that we live in that's outside, uh, you know, that we're in, but not experiencing. So we've been watching all of this like New York kind of stuff. <laughs> like remember awesome. when we used to go to restaurants? There. <laughs> back in the day. That's well, that's the funniest part is like back in the day, I'm like, I think it was like a month ago, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Like it's forever. It feels really long. Um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Any other, uh, news, like pop culture things that you're, you're doing, listening to reading that are of interest? Not totally. You know, I think this is the one in me that's like, everything I do must have a purpose. (laughs) Um, so, but I did just recently start playing this tiles game on the New York times app and it's 
it's taking up a lot of my time. So yeah, I do. I do letterpress, which is mm-hmm. so fun. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's, that's interesting. I've, I, for, after the first couple of weeks of this, I just gave up on trying to be productive and realized that one, I'm like, I'm doing so much more work than I did before. Like what is going on? And talked with our, our session, our leading, our, our kind of our board and, it's like, so what do you think we really need? Like, what do people want as opposed to what do we think they want? And so we kind of realized that they don't act, not, not everybody needs everything that I thought that I should be doing, which was a mm-hmm. great relief. Um, the thing, the one thing that I've discovered is that um, the afternoon nap, I used to have to sneak them in, but now they're just easier to take. They're just there. They're waiting they're just for there. you. They are. Three o'clock. Everything like dad's going for his nap. I'm like the old man. I'm, I am that guy. If I had a recliner in the living room that would just lean back, that would be me. I would just be all over that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I remembered at the beginning of this was um, I, I find myself sleeping a lot more. And yeah. I was remembering that when I first was in, I was in Guatemala for a year with a volunteer program. And I was like learning Spanish and I had to sleep like 12 hours a night. And I thought I was depressed at first, but it was just my brain trying to take in so much new information and getting tired. And my brain needed the sleeping time to like process and repair itself. And I'm finding that again. Mm -hmm. Because I I just remember early on, I couldn't sleep. Like head was continually churning, you know, worrying as a pastor, but also just everything happening. And now I think you're right. That's a great thing. It's like, now I think we're just catching up on and trying to find what is this, what's the normal pattern going to be and try to adapt to it. So, Mm -hmm. well, I appreciate you joining uh, me today. I'm glad we could finally do this. Uh, For those of you that are listening, this is also going to be posted on YouTube. I haven't done the raw um, uh, shots on YouTube, but uh, we'll post this one along with um, one that I did with, um, Laura. So you all will see that one as well there. Um, again, all the links to connect with Emily and Preston Peace Fellowship will be uh, in the show notes and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me, Emily. Thanks, Bruce. Bye. BRC and Friends was produced, written, recorded, and edited by Bruce Reyes Chow with zero help from his dog Vespa. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to BRC and Friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please follow, like, tag, and share on all the platforms via B-R-C-A-N-D-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. Thanks for listening to BRC and Friends. DQ presents... Picture this. Picture the new DQ Summer Blizzard treat menu with iconic flavors that taste like instant summer. You order the one and only drumstick blizzard with peanuts. Oh, wow. Crunchy waffle cone pieces, world-famous DQ soft serve, and blue sky bliss. Or maybe you get the brownie batter blizzard. Ooh-wee. Fudgy brownie goodness. You're feeling breezy and dreamy all over. Moments like these are why the new DQ Summer Blizzard treat menu exists. Get it delivered at DQ.com. DQ. Happy tastes good. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.